Welcome to Chan's The Man Apologetics, a podcast for training followers of Christ to see reality through the lens of the biblical worldview. I'm your host, Chan Heron. Topics include Christian doctrine, apologetics, special guests, and of course, lots of fun. Let's get started. Have you ever had someone say that you can't trust the Bible because it's been handed down and copied and recopied or passed down and uh, changed? Uh, A lot of times you'll hear the objection of the what I call the telephone game. You've probably played that game before where you get a group of people and one person tells another person who tells another person. This is this is something that I like to do in my class. I'll get my students up there. I'll, I'll pick like five volunteers and I will whisper a, uh, a poem or a limerick. Uh, one of my favorites is the, the the Big Bad Tyrone limerick. And so it goes something like this. Have you heard about Big Bad Tyrone? He was caught in a swirling cyclone. He couldn't get out, so he started to pout, and he'll always be mad from now on. And I'll whisper that in the first person's ear, and then they'll whisper it, and they'll whisper it down. By the time it gets to the end, it is just completely just butchered from the original. And then I ask my students this. Didn't we just demonstrate that the Bible cannot be trusted, that things get lost as one person hands it down to another person who hands it down to another person? Well, at face value, on the surface, this does look like a credible objection. As you dig deeper, you will see that this objection basically falls apart when you see how the Bible was actually put together. One of the ways I like to counter the telephone objection is to ask, how did we get the Bible as you understand it? How was it put together? I have found out in my own apologetic conversations that many objectors, many skeptics think they know too much about the Bible. Well, in reality, they know too little. The first problem with the telephone investigation is that the Bible was not handed down linearly, where one person told another person who told another person who told another person. That's not how the Bible was transmitted. Secondly, the Bible was not handed down orally, even though it does contain parts of oral tradition, but the New Testament manuscripts were copied. And you can test written manuscripts, written messages, a lot easier than you can oral transmission. That's what's really unique about this. Now, something else to think about is no one person had within their possession all of the copies distributed in ancient Palestine in the first century. So the Bible the New Testament was handed down geometrically, meaning one person copied birth, one person made a copy of the original writings. And then, and not all of them, they they each had their own part. 
And then that copy birthed five copies and those copies birthed 10 and so forth and so on to where the copies grew exponentially and they were spread out. In order for someone to change the manuscripts, they would have to have all of them in their possession. And that's one of the things that we know for a fact that it it didn't happen. It did not happen because we have a good number of copies. One of my favorite illustrations is a thought experiment I like to call Aunt Sally's Secret Sauce Illustration. I got this from Greg Kokel. So I want you to do something for me. Suppose you have an Aunt Sally. And one night your Aunt Sally has a dream. And in her dream, she learns the recipe for a potion that would keep her forever young. The next morning, she goes into the kitchen and writes down everything that she learned from her dream and how to make the sauce. Then she goes into the kitchen and she whips up her first batch of what comes to be known as Aunt Sally's secret sauce. After a couple of weeks, she is a picture of radiant beauty. The clock has reversed. She's 20 years younger. So excited, she makes handwritten copies and sends them to three of her bridge partners. Now, your Aunt Sally is in the technological dark ages. She doesn't have any fax machine or email. So she makes detailed handwritten copies on how to make the sauce. After a few days, her friends are a picture of radiant beauty. So excited, they make handwritten copies and send them to 10 of their friends. Well, everything's going great till one day your Aunt Sally's pet schnauzer eats the original. In a panic, she calls her three friends and tells them about her mishap, and they have suffered similar tragedy. Their copies are gone as well. So they get on the horn, and they call everyone that they can to try to round up all the surviving handwritten copies. They gather them together and lay them out on Aunt Sally's table, 26 copies in all. Then they immediately notice some differences. 23 copies are exactly the same. Copy 24 has some misspellings. Copy 25 has some inverted phrases like mix then chop rather than chop then mix. And copy 26 has an extra ingredient that none of the others have. Now, here's my question. Can your Aunt Sally reconstruct the original recipe based on the evidence that is in front of her? Of course you can. You can look at the 23 copies and say, okay, these are good. Copy 24, you can fix the misspellings. Copy 25, you can fix the inverted phrases. And copy 26, you can strike out the extra ingredient, reasoning that it's more likely that one person would add an extra ingredient then 25 others would accidentally omit it. Now, that illustration right there is what what we see is, is an exercise in what's known as textual criticism. Now, textual criticism is known as the art and science of reconstructing ancient documents. And it, it applies to any ancient document, not just biblical documents. And a textual critic asks two questions. How many copies 
exists and how old are they? Thank you for listening to Chan's The Man Apologetics, a podcast aimed at promoting the Christian worldview. If you enjoyed what you heard today, consider sharing with a friend. Until next time, I'm Chan Heron.